Praise God. Praise God again. Um, I will be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and had him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, he, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That's the word of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> let's pray for the word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, the Bible says that it is alive and active. Uh, it continues to say that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh, separates the bone from the marrow and it also judges the intent of men. Uh, scripture would continue and say that by it um, are your servant warned from great transgression for the word of God makes wise the simple and brings light to our eyes. And so Lord may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you O Lord my God. I pray that what we are not that you will make us through this word, that what we know not, Lord, may you teach us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and we believe. Amen. <clears throat> so we are doing an exposition of chapter 8 of the book of Acts. Chapter 8 of Acts starts on a very sad point um, and this is what is happening so the church in Jerusalem is now being persecuted they are facing persecution 
This is shortly after the death of Stephen. And the church is facing persecution. You see, when Jesus Christ was ascending, he would give the great commission and say, go ye therefore and preach, teach all that I have commanded you and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As he promises of the Holy Spirit, he would give them a command and says, now the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But then the disciples and the converts in Jerusalem are enjoying the fellowship. Brothers and sisters, may I submit to us that there is a thing called the warmth of Christian fellowship. That they are enjoying this fellowship. I don't know how many of us remember the encounter, the transfiguration, where Peter and the three disciples see Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, and they're like, let's build a camp. Let's stay here. Because there is warmth in staying together with people who share the same conviction. There is warmth in staying together with people who have the same standard and share stories. So that when you are stepped on or someone knocks you, they can say sorry. There is warmth in enjoying Christian fellowship. And this is what is happening. So much so that it had to take the persecution of the church in Jerusalem for these people to disperse and scatter. The Bible will say in Acts chapter 8 from verse 1, it says all, because of the persecution that was in the church in Jerusalem, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the disciples. Only the disciples would remain in Jerusalem because of this thing called the persecution. And guess the man who's doing this, who's causing such ravage in church? The man Saul. Verse 6 of chapter 8 would introduce to us, from verse 4, we would now be introduced to Philip. Philip, a man who is enjoying ministry. And this is not the Philip who was an apostle. This is a Philip who's among the seven that are selected to serve tables. You remember in chapter 6 of Acts from verse 1 to 7, there are seven men who are elected to serve tables so that the apostles then would give themselves to prayer and to the preaching of the word of God. Now Philip, because of the persecution that is happening in Jerusalem, maybe he finds himself in Samaria. And when he finds himself there because of the convictions, the truth of the gospel that he had encountered with, Philip starts preaching the gospel everywhere he went. 
And in Samaria, Samaria, there is so much revival that is happening in Samaria that number one, crowds are forging and following him. And these crowds, the Bible would say in the book, in chapter six, in verse six, sorry, that, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Brothers, may I submit to you that Philip was pastoring a mega church. He had crowds following him. And this crowd would follow him because of the things, the signs they would see. The Bible would continue and say in verse 7 that unclean spirits crying out with loud voices came out of many who had them and many were par- who were paralyzed or lame were healed so much so that there was so much joy so much joy in the city of Samaria the gospel had caused so much transformation that there was joy in the city of Samaria because of this one man Philip and the other brothers who had believed there was so much revival in Samaria. But then let me introduce to you something that happens with crowds. In crowds, there are people who follow, not because they have encountered the truth, but because they are enticed by power. Brothers and sisters, may I submit to us that power has an allure. Power is deceiving and decept- has some deception. So that the people are following Philip, but yet not all who followed Philip believed the gospel, the truth that Philip professed and preached. From verse 9 all the way to 25, we are introduced to a man called Simon the sorcerer. Simon was so much held with respect because of the power that he had. Look at what verse 9 says. It says, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he was himself somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. You see, the same power that Philip is walking in had been faked by this magician called Simon. I said that power is deceiving. You see, if today, I was to do a poster and say, Dr. Apostle Reverend Bishop Shadrach Mwendi will be holding a power miraculous meeting. Bring your sick, bring your dead, bring your lame. I would not struggle to fill such an adult, a space. It wouldn't be such a struggle to have people come because power, power 
draws people. You see, if you're African, you've, you know or have encountered power. In the second service, I said, I am Kamba, and where we come from, we know power. I don't know whether you guys know that there is a tree. So the, 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 the Ministry of Roads decides it, it wants to expand roads, the road that goes to Makueni and to some places. And they decide they are going to uproot every tree that is encroaching to the space where the road should reach. And they try to uproot this one tree that was used for sacrifices and some spiritual things. And this tree is not boarding. They have excavators. Dig to lift the tree. The tree is not boarding. They come with power saws to try and cut the tree. And the tree is not falling down. Power. And power as a way of drawing attention. So that you see, Simon is not following Philip because of the truth. He's following Philip because now he has seen some power that is greater than his. Brothers, may I submit to us that a big crowd is not a measure of a successful ministry? A big crowd is not a measure of a successful ministry? That is why Jesus would turn in John chapter 6 to the crowd and say, I know some of you are following me because yesterday I served you bread and fish. Some of us followed, followed Jesus blindly because of KCSE. What was KCSE bonus fuel? Because the way KCSE was presented to us, if you fail, your life was doomed. And then a preacher rides on that and says, Ah, there's an, Jesus will make you, Jesus will give you victory. So that some of us responded to the benefit of Jesus, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that does? It creates hypocrites, fake converts. And when we continue reading the, 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 the book in chapter 8 of Acts, we realize that Simon had not yet encountered truth. Wait until now the apostles have come and they are praying over people and people are speaking in tongues. Wow, 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 this guy is like, wait, 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 guys. I want this same power. I want this same power that does these kind of things that are happening. But then Peter sees into the heart of this man and rebukes him. 
He rebukes him because his heart is not in the right place and calls him back to the kingdom, back to the light. Brothers and sisters, do you know that we can follow crowds and yet miss it? There is comfort, comfort in crowds. Because we do not have to stand up for anything. The majority, quote-unquote, is always right, so you will fit yourself, fix yourself in the crowd, forgetting that crowds are not a very good indicator of a successful ministry. Doesn't the Bible say, narrow is the way, and few find it? So that the next time you find yourself in a group agreeing on the same thing, could be <laughs> you're wrong. But we continue with the crowd. From verse 26 all the way to 40, now we are introducing to Philip. And for them that are writing, this is how our outlook look, outline looks like. Number one, the topic will be God, the man of God, and the people of God. God, the man of God, in bracket Philips, a Philip at Philips. Philip, and then the people of God, the Ethiopian eunuch. I will follow this form and structure just as it is laid in the text that we've read. We've read. Part one which is covered from verse 26 to 29, is God and Philip. Then part two, verse 30 to 34, Philip, the man of God, and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then part three, verse 35 to 40, the Ethiopian eunuch and his response to the gospel. We'll start with... Part one, what is happening in part one? From verse six, we understand that Philip is preaching to crowds. But then verse 26, 20 verses later, an angel of the Lord comes and says to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Brothers and sisters, don't you think this is being very counterproductive? I am already having a very successful ministry here in Samaria. Why am I going to the desert place? In verse, verse 6, we've just understood that he's pulling crowds. Crowds are believing. Crowds are coming to him. The lame are walking. The demon-possessed are being set free. But then the angel of the Lord says to Philip, Arise, go forward towards the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is a desert place. And I keep asking myself, if I were Philip, what would be going through my head as I consider this request from the Lord. 
And these are some of the responses that I found, I, I found to be true to me at the moment. Number one, I'd think, is this really the voice of the Lord? Don't you think the Lord enjoys crowds? Don't you think the Lord wants my ministry to prosper? Don't you think the Lord has good plans? Maybe this is not the voice of the Lord. Maybe I'm second-guessing my call. Maybe I am doubting whether the Lord has called me for this certain place. The other thing I would consider is maybe not me. Maybe God wants someone to go to Gaza, but not me. Why not me? Because already, from my perspective, I am thriving in the very thing that I do. And you see, some of us have reduced success in ministry to be the numbers, to be crowds. Maybe he's thinking, maybe not me. The other thing that Philip would be thinking that I thought is maybe not now. Because why do I leave a thriving ministry to go to a desert place? Maybe not now. Maybe after everything has made sense. Maybe after a lot more people have given their lives to Jesus, maybe I could consider and go to the desert place. The other thing that would be going through the head of this man is maybe, maybe not there. Not in the desert place. Because we love comfort. Why would we think the desert place? Can't God use me in another space? Would it be so interesting if we thought to ourselves, if today someone received, here, you received an employment to go to Somalia, but under UN, it would be a testimony. But if you were called by the same God to go to Somalia and reach the Somalis and help them find truth, you would struggle more responding to UN than responding to the call of God to be a missionary in Somalia. Because most of the time, we always think, maybe not me, maybe not there, maybe not now. Because look at Philip. His ministry is already very successful. He's having crowds. People are responding. Furthermore, now the believers have been filled with the Holy Spirit. So, more people to do the same ministry that I've been doing. But then the Lord calls him and he leaves. I read a quote by Isabel Kuhn, and this is what the quote says. It says, it's not that God is not calling people to go to the unreached people and preach the gospel. It is that people have become reluctant. They have refused to cross the barrier of reluctance. We are okay being comfortable in our spaces and not engaging, reaching out the lost. But Philip responds 
And the response of Philip reminds me of Abraham in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. When Abraham is told by God, leave, leave your people and go, go, and I will bless you, and I will cast those who curse you, and the generations of the world will be blessed through you. Brothers and sisters, may I submit to us that the blessing of Abraham was the blessing of salvation, that Abraham was going to become the father of faith, that his call and the blessing that he extends to the world and to the nations is salvation. William Carey, when he went to China to preach the gospel, he said something, attempt big things for God, expect big things from God. May I submit to us that we can attempt big things from God. They may not be making logical sense when the Lord lays a call on you, but attempt big things for God and expect big things from him. In the other services, I shared my testimony of how the Lord called me as a fresh graduate from Nairobi University to consider joining full-time ministry. And I had concerns upon concerns. A few years before that, my girlfriend had just left me because I had toyed with the thought of being a pastor. Now, God was actually calling me to full-time ministry. And I had questions. I had questions, and I thought, where would I get a girlfriend and marry? And if I marry, how was I going to provide for these people? How was I going to do so many things that my peers were doing? And I remember when we were in campus, I had plans. I had plans. I had visions in my head that I wanted to attain before I got to a certain age. But then now, in obeying and reading the word of God, I'm hearing clear convictions that the Lord is calling me for ministry. I battled with it. Maybe not me. Maybe not now. Maybe this is not even the voice of the Lord. But I remember when reading the word of God in the book of Matthew chapter 6, and it talks about provision, how the Lord would continually convict me of his faithfulness and provision. And I get to Matthew 6.33, and the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And a thought grabs my heart that you see, brothers and sisters, all these things that we dream of or our ambitions are very small in comparison to the ambition of God. And the ambition of God is great, so great. It is so great that your small ambitions can fit in it. But your ambitions, but God's ambitions cannot fit in yours. What that called me to do was to live a life of surrender and obedience to him. I sat down and thought, Lord, it's, what tells me that if I continue working and pursuing my dreams, I will still get these things that I am holding on so dearly? 
And I surrendered to him in tears and asked the Lord, Lord, may you help me walk this journey, a journey of obedience that I have done from back in 2013 September all the way to this moment. Things haven't been simple. Things haven't been a walk in the park, but I have seen God do so much so, so much more. Brothers, do you see that when Philip is leaving the crowd in Samaria to go to a desert place, he does not even know the reason for him being in a desert place. But he chose to obey. He chose to obey. And when he obeys the Lord, then God presents an opportunity. And then now we talk about Philip the preacher. Philip, the preacher, presents himself. He puts himself in a place where opportunity comes and he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading and he goes to the Ethiopian eunuch and asks, do you understand that which you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I understand this if no one teaches me, no one guides me? And this remind me that, reminds me that one of the easiest ways to start conversations Gospel conversations is to ask a question. Ask questions. People are going through so much in this world. The book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, Jesus would look at the crowd and he saw that the crowd was harassed, helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And his heart would be filled with compassion. May I submit to us that the reason why some of us do not preach the gospel to them that do not know Jesus Christ is because we've never seen the world for what it is. We've never looked at our non-believing friends and seen them as harassed. We've never looked at them and seen them as helpless. We've never looked at them and seen them as sheep without a shepherd. Actually, to make it worse, some of us actually envy the life that our non-believing friends have. There is some sort of freedom. They can do anything they want, anyhow, anywhere. They, they can do anything. Some of us are actually struggling in our very walk with the Lord. We have one foot planted in the word of God and another in the world. It is such a danger that you're not even enjoying the world because the Holy Spirit will convict you. And you're not even living for Jesus Christ because you are not convinced of the truth of the gospel. You live a very confused life. Brothers and sisters, may I make it easy for you? The world, the world profanes the gospel because of some of us because of our way of living, double standard kind of life. A double standard kind of life. And that is why we cannot respond as Philip would respond. He would ask a question, a thought-provoking question, that would make this man agree, yes, man, I, I'm reading, but I can't understand. And I was saying that the, the world has questions. There are so many people who do not know Jesus Christ in Jacob and just around Juja. 
And maybe the reason the Lord has placed you in Jacob is so that you can represent him and be that Philip along that path, that desert place to preach the gospel. Take up those opportunities. I told guys in the second service that please, how long, for how long will people, will your roommate exile you so that they can come and sleep with their girlfriend? And you're a believer. Respond with the gospel. Respond with the gospel. Say, Mami Stoki. Watch Akuje. Akikuja Twanga Injili. Mambia Bedendugu. Minda Kwambia Lafuniende. Ini Zambi. E. This right here is sin. Preach the gospel. Some of us, the reason why we are not responding is because you do not see these people as harassed, helpless. Helpless. I was saying how I started, I met with some border border guys at where I live. And we met in a very interesting way. The border border guy carried me. I was going for a football match. I play football. And so we went. And he told me, ah, when I'm going to play football. He says, ah, why didn't you tell me earlier? Should have involved me, but I also play football. I love this game. So we went to that game and we lost horribly. It's, our team is bad. It's just pathetic. It's, it's not a good team anyway. I would not encourage any one of you to consider joining us. We are not doing well. We are just like Manchester. We are, uh, <laughs> we, we are struggling anyway. Let's just say we are struggling. So we, so I go and we, we lost, we lose the match. When I'm coming back, the guy, the same guy, I call the same guy, he carries me, ask me about the match. He tell, yeah, man, he tells me, ah, man, I play football. Next time you're going for a match, invite me. And I invited the brother. We went for the match, the other match, the, on the, the other weekend, and we lost. Because what do you do with one good footballer and 11 others who don't do anything? You, you can't do much. So we lost terribly. We were beaten 9-1. We lost. So when we're coming back with this brother, he tells me, I have a group of other guys that were playing football together when we were in high school. And they're really good. They can really buff up this team of yours. Can I invite them? I told him, why not? I invite them. Come. And they came. And we went for a return leg with the team that had beaten us 9-1. And we thrashed them. Seriously. Those brothers are really good. Like they've played together since they were 10 years old. Now they're in their early 20s. So they have chemistry. I should bring them one of these days, Wayne Warne. They have chemistry, chemistry, good football. We won. If you played football with me, you know that after every football match, I, pre I present the gospel. So I preach the gospel to these kids. And slowly by slowly, I am seeing transformation in the life of these little ones. These kids, right now, when any one of them is in an issue, going through something, misbehaving, they call me. They tell me, but I'm not going to be able to do a form two, form two, and I'm not going to be able to And I'm there, now responding to such issues and preaching the gospel to such people so that, so that maybe among them, the Lord will have a harvest. Praise the Lord. 
And I think that is how we should respond, brothers and sisters. That is how then, brothers and sisters, that we should respond. Respond to the questions of people with the gospel. May I tell us something that is not very nice? That your opinions and your experiences do not matter. Scripture does. Do you see what Philip does? Philip asks a question. Then the Bible says that from where the man was, he opens up scripture and shares the good news, pointing the man to Jesus Christ. There's such a tendency for us to feel that our experiences make more sense than the gospel. If you ever go and visit someone who's going through something, you will be more tempted to share your experience. That is not eternal hope, brothers and sisters. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives eternal hope. You see, Jesus, Philip doesn't go to the Ethiopian eunuch and decide from where this brother is, now he gives his scenario. Eh, umesikia stories of Jerusalem. Jerusalem ni kunoma. Makanisoko zinafungwa. Paula anapiga watu. No. He goes straight to the gospel. He says, from where the brother is reading, he takes him from that place and points him to Jesus Christ. It reminds me of Jesus and the two disciples as they are going to a mouse. They are walking to a mouse. And now this third person has joined them. And they're telling this third person, haven't you heard what has been happening, Bana? There was this guy, he's called Jesus. Ah, they, they kill him. They, they kill him. They... The Bible says from the book of Luke, verse, uh, Luke 24, from verse 27, that Jesus took them from Moses. He opened scripture from Moses and presented himself. So that later when these guys are breaking bread, they realize what? All this time we have been with Jesus Christ. Brothers, may we not underestimate the power of God for it brings people to salvation. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 would say, for you have been born again not of sin which is perishable but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. James 1 18 states in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. The Bible would say in the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 16 that I am not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Paul will tell Timothy that he has known that from childhood he has known the secret, the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. God's power, God's word is powerful to save sinners, brothers and sisters. Let us not share our experiences. Let us share the word of God. Just like Philip would do, tomorrow when you get out there and you're walking in the hostels, share the word of God. There is temptation to want to fit in. There is temptation to want to attract and sound sweet, sound intellectual and smart, but brother, resist the temptation and preach the gospel. When, 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 when Paul would come in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul would say, man, I, 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 I made a resolve. I decided that I will not come to you with intellectual, my own intellectual capacity and prowess. 
but I will preach Christ and him crucified. Only Jesus Christ has the power to transform a life. Our stories do not. Do you remember the story of the Samaritan woman? The Samaritan woman, after Jesus has told her everything, she goes back to the people and says, come and see a man. This is her testimony. She says, come and see a man. But when they get to the man, they are so convinced by the man, so convicted by the truth of this man that they say, we are not here because of your story. This man is the Messiah. This, this man is the way to salvation. Brothers and sisters, may we present the world, the, 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 the world with the word of God and give them an hope, a hope to respond to it. Then the last thing that we will look at, number three, is the man, the people of God, the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch had traveled, journeyed for five months to get to Jerusalem where there was the temple. But because of his state as a eunuch, he would not fit in to Judaism. But imagine God would disrupt a very thriving ministry to have Philip stand by the desert road so that he can minister to this one. And I know there are friends, there are friends or people you know that you are so convinced who you are is your coca, who you need out, who you are wazy. There are religions we are sure they cannot respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I submit to us? That, that is not your call. Yours is to preach the gospel and be faithful at it. Leave salvation to him. God is the one who calls men to salvation. Our work, our responsibility is to preach the gospel, even to the outcast. I was sharing in the first and second service how growing up in campus, no one ever considered me to be a candidate for heaven. No one. I would wear buggy things, very baggy trousers, Timberland boots, baggy t-shirts, a big chain, very big chain, and keeps just looking interesting. And I remember I went for a disciple, discipleship program for two months, and everyone in that discipleship program hoped that at the end of this discipleship program, this young man will give his life to Jesus Christ. But all through I was a believer. But I didn't look like a believer. And there are people, there are people that we've counted out. We've said, this one can't even, can't, 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 con. this one, I know him. You count them out. There are people that you can't even engage with them. You know they are sinners, but you can't engage with them because you think, wow, 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 see, one million. Miss Jesus, atacha nini. Like they are deep in sin. Can I tell us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is sufficient enough to, to save such a man? That the same, grace that the same grace that sustains you in salvation is the same grace that will save him and sustain him. That is not your call. Preach the gospel. Do, do, put yourself in Philip's shoes. What do you think was going through Philip's head? To have left a very thriving ministry to stand at the wayside at noon in a desert to wait for one man. One man. Brothers and sisters, our gospel conversation with people matter. It is souls that are going to count in eternity. Souls. Souls, brothers and sisters. 
So that may the Lord paint eternity in your eyeballs. That when you look at life, you will look at it from the perspective of heaven. From the perspective of eternity. So then as we come to our conclusion. What then should we do in light of this scripture? Number one. Is that if we are to be used of God to reach the lost. God lays a demand on our lives. God lays a demand for us to surrender our lives to him. Even the things that seem logical to men and pursue his voice. Pursue his voice. I shared a testimony about my life and how the Lord has continually walked with me, laying convictions about his ministry in my heart. A few years ago, I left Deliverance Church Kahaskari and, 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 and I was confused. I didn't know what, what, what do you want me to do? And according to me, I thought Deliverance Church Kahaskari was my Samaria. Things were seemingly okay. Young people were being discipled. And my turn came to an end and I thought, what do I do? And as I'm praying, the Lord brings up an opportunity for me to go to a country that is predominantly Muslim. Predominantly Muslim. I will have to learn a new language and I will have to go with my entire family. Like I've said, I have three kids and they're very young. And everyone that I have shared this story with doesn't see how logical this is. They're like, why now? Why you? Why there? Why now? Why you? Why there? But brothers and sisters, may I tell you that even those brothers and sisters in that specific country, that specific country, have a right to know the gospel. They have a right to hear Jesus Christ for the first time. And I thought to myself, why would I consider myself so special that I cannot respond to this call and someone else can do that? And a friend of mine challenged me and told me, Shad, if you are not willing to become a solution to the prayer you're making for someone, don't pray about it. Because maybe some of us are praying for our relatives who give their lives to Jesus and we've never shared the gospel with them. You're here praying, but you've refused to become the solution so that I can keep on praying for Muslims and keep on praying for unreached people groups. But if I do not want to be the call, to respond to the call, then I'm just hardening my heart. And my prayer is not genuine. Let us obey the Lord. Number two, that we will surrender our opinions and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we will surrender our opinion about things and preach the gospel. Because the gospel is not your testimony. The gospel is not your testimony your testimony should point people towards the gospel, towards Jesus, but it is not the gospel. 
The gospel or evangelism is not wearing a t-shirt that has a scripture. A t-shirt that is written, saved, signed, sealed, and, and at the back returned to sender. That is not the Bible. Evangelism is not typing amen to a forwarded text on social media. Evangelism is proclamation of the gospel. So then you would ask, what is the gospel? May I present to us that the gospel is good news. But if the gospel is good news, there has to have existed a bad news. And the bad news was this, that we had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We had offended God because all sin that is committed is committed to God. And man had sinned. Man could not pay the price. So God gave him, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice. This reminds me of Genesis 22, when Abraham is walking with his son Isaac and is going to remove Isaac as the sacrifice. And Isaac asks, where is the lamb that we are going to slaughter? And Abraham would respond and says, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. May I proclaim to us that Jesus Christ was the eternal sacrifice that was given by God so that we may be saved. So then I can confidently declare to us that the gospel is good news. Why and how? Because God, God, Saved us from himself for his own use. That we were saved by God, from God, for God's use. Not to live idly, not to live our lives for our own, not to live in pursuit of things of this world. But the Bible would say in the book of Corinthians that he died so that those who live will not live for themselves, but they will live for him who died and rose again. Brothers and sisters, respond to the gospel and live a radical life in pursuit of him. The other thing that I will tell us is that for any one of us who's here and they have not believed the gospel, Jesus, in the book of Luke chapter 14, would give two parables that speak so much to the situation that you're going through. Look at what the, the Ethiopian eunuch does when Philip presents to him the gospel. The Bible says that he responds. He responds and says, what can hinder me from being baptized then? And immediately he's baptized. And after Philip has done the task, finished the assignment, he's taken immediately. And he goes to other places. And when he's in those, he finds himself in another town, he continues preaching the gospel. If you're here and you're not a believer, the only response to the gospel is belief. It's to believe in him who died and rose again. The Bible would say in the book of Luke chapter 14 from verse 28, 
2.32, it would say this. For which of you, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and is not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate, whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off. He will send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. How does this text then relate to what we are saying and the call to believe and respond to Jesus Christ in faith? You see, he says, you would be a fool. You would be a fool not to respond to the persuasion of Jesus Christ right now when he comes as a lamb. Because a time is coming that every knee will bow to him. Every knee on earth, under the earth, in heaven, every knee will bow to him when he comes with power. You would be a fool for you to be presented with this great truth this great opportunity to live your sinful ways and enjoy an eternity versus staying and living in your own wickedness only to bow down when now it is too late. God calls us that when we hear the gospel, we should not harden our hearts. We should respond. How do we respond? We respond in belief, what is belief? It is relying, we should, be, we should respond in faith, which is relying in him who's the guide and the standard. What do I mean? He guides us, he calls us to a journey, and helps us through the journey to a standard that he has set. So that it is him who works in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. And then what is to believe? To believe is to have faith that whatever he said is true. That when he said it is finished, it is actually finished. And so I make this plea. Are you here? Are you here in this auditorium? And do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is a great opportunity for you to respond. Are you here? You can lift up your hand. I will pray for you. Are you here and you do not know him as God? Such an opportunity for us to respond to him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that, Lord, your word will find fertile, fertile ground in our hearts and bear forth much fruit. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold for the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and we believe. God bless you. Thank you.